0: Hey everybody, St. Paul here, and welcome to episode 42 of Music on the Run. You know who I've got coming up next? Barry Lather. Incredible choreographer, director, producer. He's next on Music on the Run. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey everybody, I'm St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave me that nickname, and I've been lucky enough to tour with people like the Steve Miller Band, Kenny Loggins, Peter Frampton, Donny Osmond, and name a few. And when I'm not playing music, I love to run. And this is a podcast about how we stay healthy on the road, physically, mentally, and with our families. Welcome to Music on the Run. everybody welcome to music on the run my name is saint paul peterson and we are now at episode 42 man hard to believe sound a little bit like a baseball announcer hey my mom and dad (laughs) used to play the organ at the twins game from the inception of the twins in the 60s all the way up through mid 1972 so that was always super fun and part of our summers growing up Uh, How was your weekend? I hope your holiday weekend, your July 4th weekend was great. Mine was. I got to go out to California and visit my daughter. And while I was out there, we had a Funk Friday barbecue LA edition. You're going, what's Funk Friday? Well, if you haven't checked out Funk Friday, it's our weekly one minute series of funk jams. We've done 70, 70 of them. Isn't that crazy? And we've had over 100 world-class musicians, and they're little nuggets. They're one minute long, and they keep saying, why did not you put out a record? And I'm like, because once money gets involved, then it's not as much fun. So we're doing this purely for the love of music. So go check out Funk Friday. That's what it's called. And you'll see it on our YouTube page. You'll see it on all of our social media Anyway, we finally had a chance. And some of these guys I've never got to hang with in person. So I called a barbecue and I set out an invite. And we had probably 25 people at this barbecue at my buddy's house. Thank you, Oliver. I appreciate your uh, use of your uh, barbecue. We fired that bad boy up and we had a a blast. And you know what else I did? You, You guys, it was my aunt's 95th birthday. My mom's sister. She looks exactly like my mother, so that tugs on my heartstrings. And she's such a bright, incredibly sharp 95-year-old woman. So we had a family reunion up there in Bakersfield, had a great time. So I hope your fourth was as good as mine was. Let's jump right into it. We might as well, right? So episode 42, Music on the Run. My next guest here is a dancer. Get ready for the list. Choreographer, director, producer, and yes, a recording artist. And we're going to talk about that because I don't hear a lot of podcasts about your recording artist, Dave. Mm-mm. He's worked with so many people, including Janet and Michael Jackson, Donnie Osmond, Carrie Underwood, uh, Brittany Usher, Queen Latifah, and just a billion more. And we'll get into that in a little bit. I just looked at uh, his choreography and directing reel and it's mind-blowing. So make sure you go check it out. Please welcome my old buddy, Barry Lather. How are you, man? Hey,
1: hey, hey. you doing good.
0: Get Excellent. To see you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on.
1: Thank you. It's all good. Happy to join you.
0: Tell me what you've been doing for the past year. I mean, you and I seem to be in the same boat uh, as far as, you know, in the same biz. But I think you were actually busy in the last year, right? Were you directing shows or were you at home?
1: Um, it, it, it definitely slowed down big time. Definitely slowed down. Um, you know, I, I probably did three jobs in 15 months, you know, which is not the norm, you know. Of course not. So, yeah. No, um, but things have picked up um, for sure. I just got back from Greece and I actually finished the show that I was working on when the whole lockdown happened. So I got to go back and actually finish the show, complete it and get it on its feet. Um, Where was that, Mary? uh, It was on Celebrity Cruise Lines. It's a brand new new ship they just built. I hadn't even done a maiden voyage yet. And we did this rock show, this classic rock show with like, you know, Beatles, Stones, Who, um, Hendrix, you know, you name it. It was just a great rock show. And uh, I I was directing it and I just was happy. It was such a good show. And we were like a week away from finishing it. And then the lockdown happened. So I'm like, are we ever going to finish this thing? So I was happy we did. You're, and, lucky you
0: you're, you're lucky you didn't get caught on that uh, uh, cruise ship. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. a lot of people who were out. In fact, our intern Tanner used to work on cruise ships, and he said he had so many friends stranded out at sea for months upon months upon months. So yeah. do you know anybody from yeah. those, those, those cruise lines that got stranded at all?
1: Well, I know that the, the cat, I mean, I left immediately. Thank God my wife called me at 2 o'clock in the morning. We were in France at the time, docked. And uh, under, the boat was still under construction, the ship, but we were docked. And, you know, this was last March, a year ago March, a uh, year and a half almost. But um, a lot of the people had to stay on the boat for almost like three to four weeks. I left immediately once I heard. I'm like, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to take a chance. So, it all, it's all good. I'm glad I left. But, um, you know, no horror stories, but I do know the cast, they, they couldn't go home right away. Like they, they almost like had to hang out for almost like a month. Before they cruise can get are home interesting
0: home. places to be right now. I think yeah. things are finally starting to turn around, and they're starting to uh, starting to cruise again. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yep. They it's very fresh. Like we were the first cruise that just went out June nineteenth, um, and we did the Greek Isles for a week, which was awesome. And I got to see the opening of our show in front of a live audience, so that was a lot of fun. You know, and now I'm home and uh, getting, starting early pre-production and conceptual ideas for Carrie Underwood's Las Vegas residency show. Oh, that's going to wow. be. She's uh, got a
0: open. residency coming up. I did yeah. not know that.
1: Yeah, December first it opens. So we are in, in in the creative stages now, dreaming oh, it that's up. Great. I you love and I it.
0: met. Um, t- gotta be 20 years ago now when i was the musical director for Donnie osmond and you came on as the what did you produce that show or were you just a choreographer that not just a choreographer but
1: yeah no why I did understand. you roll in that show um i know Donnie asked me to come in and help um not just with the movement and staging but also just like help put the show together so i would say it's choreography and also like creative directing you know just get the whole show and the flow together and make sure you know everything's cool so I wasn't just focused on the steps, but just the overall, you know, and lighting and moments. And as you know, pacing and timing is everything for, for a show. You know, you got to have a good set list. You got to have good energy. You know, is it, is it, is it is, are we losing audience here or do we got to switch a song around? All that stuff. But it was fun. I mean, he's, he's a great guy and extremely uh, energetic. And, and we did meet then. That was fun. you
0: and I had a ball out there. You, me, Jason, and the the boys in the band. Uh We laughed (laughs) so much. A lot. Nation! What was was Jason's character, my nephew's character? uh, Floyd Warren. Yeah. (laughs) He made a whole video on Floyd Warren. I think it's somewhere on... uh, We made a little sitcom or something on there.
1: I remember. so funny.
0: And you live in Minnesota, which I did not know, of course... many years ago but you live in minnesota as well
1: yeah i mean i i, I lived in a you know i grew up in atlanta, I was an atlanta kid i grew up in atlanta right out of high school senior year boom went to la was in la for about 15 years and then we we i've been in minneapolis you know outside of minneapolis area now for 20 years it's i crazy can't enough. believe you that right? that's unbelievable yeah, yeah uh, me too like, this is the longest I've ever lived anywhere. <laughs> right. We're always on the and, go, you know? And
0: the, and the dude can play some golf. We've had some fun on the golf course. <laughs> We're going to get out again this summer, for sure, in a few yeah, weeks. we've got to. Let's take we it all the to. way back to Atlanta. You, you, you mentioned that you grew up there. And tell me about your family.
1: Yeah. Um, my mom, you know, basically I was in a dancing family. My mom was a dance teacher, at one time she had two dance studios back in albany new york that's where i was born but they moved down south when i was like a year and a half old so atlanta's my you know all my childhood memories but my mom had a was a dance teacher i'm the youngest of five kids we always danced growing up music was always on in the house growing up and then the funny thing is my dad sold dance wear dance supplies dance shoes you know tap shoes toe shoes ballet shoes leotards so the costume business, you know, with all those recitals that dance studios have. So it was kind of funny. My mom and dad were definitely like a, a yin and yang. And uh, um, hmm. that's that I grew up in that type of environment. And um, also, I toured every summer. You know, it's weird to say, hey, I toured as a kid, but I did. I mean, really? I was on the road every June and July from five years old to 15 touring city to city to city with my mom who was on faculty with this dance convention, um, um, you know, uh, company. And it was kind of like me and my sister, they're like, you're going on the road with mom every summer. And, you are you know, we were her little demonstrators up on stage in front of three, four, five, six hundred dancers on the floor. So I just pretty much grew up on this kind of traveling, dancing kid every summer throughout the whole 70s. It was pretty, pretty fun and pretty funny looking back now like oh i grew up kind of different
0: <laughs> you've been on the road since you're five years old you might win the yeah. record you or donnie might one of the two of you might win the world record for that that's unbelievable <laughs> yeah was what kind of crazy. music was playing around your house because not only are you a dancer but you're also uh, a singer yeah we'll, we got to talk about that in a little bit but what
1: what was what's your mom and dad playing around the house it's funny. I, I my most of my memories, uh, as far as mom and dad playing music, was always like in the car, you know. But I have three older brothers, and uh, one of my older brothers was more definitely the music guy and had all the albums and all the records and the fancy stereo equipment that you know the young brother. I I don't touch. Don't touch the don't stereo. Don't touch my stuff. Know? Yeah, <laughs> That's an are you the youngest? Needle. Are you uh,
0: the I'm youngest? the youngest
1: of five. Yeah,
0: youngest of five. Yeah, me too. I, I've got older brother. Don't touch my stuff.
1: Yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, we, I, you know, I grew up hearing, you know, all, all, all over the place as it was in the 70s, you know, pop music, rock music, uh, R&B, it was just a fusion, you know, disco, we heard, you know, Ohio Players, uh, um, uh, Stevie Wonder, the Jackson 5, you know, but then I also would hear Bad Company, Foreigner, Foghat, right. Sticks. you know, it was just a smorgasbord of music, Donna Summers, you know, it, it was just all over the place. But that's how the 70s was to me. Parliament Funk. Oh yeah. Zap. Right. I mean, so in it a was dance, um,
0: in a dance family. Who are you looking up to? Who are your influences in dance at that at that time? Besides your mom? Um,
1: yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, it I definitely 100% 100% watched uh, Soul Train and American Bandstand every Saturday. Go. And, um, you know, I was fascinated by the lockers that were on Soul Train um, and just their street dance flavor and vibe. You know, they, I don't even think we called it street dancing back then. We just called it lockin. Yeah. But But, um, you know, they were roboting and lock and doing all that just like athletic, cool, funky stuff, you know, with cr- crazy like baggy pants and suspenders and funky hats to the side. And I'm just like. Who are these people? They look like like dancing clowns, you know? But um, <laughs> I would emulate them. I love them. I would emulate them. I mean, that's where I learned the robot was watching television. Uh, wow. I was sewing a robot when I was like seven, eight years old. I just thought it was so cool. And then, you know, years went on. And by the late 70s, early 80s, you know, then break in and street dancing got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, B-boying and all that. So it's kind of weird because I look back, I'm like, well, I've been attracted and fascinated by locking and street dancing. And now it is, here it is, you know, another little evolution later, and I'm still loving it, you know? So that, that had a big impact on me. But wow, I also yeah. would see, which is crazy. I also was exposed to Broadway shows at a young age because every summer we would tour and the last city was always New York city. It was always Manhattan. And I always knew, and I was, you know, I, I didn't realize how lucky I was as a kid I always got to go see at least one Broadway show every summer, you know, whatever the hottest show was. You know, I remember seeing The Wiz, The Wiz in the mid-70s. I saw Annie. I saw 42nd Street. I saw Dancing, Bob stuff. So I was kind of like, I was exposed to like tap jazz ballet, but I also loved street dancing. So I was like a hybrid kid that just got exposed to a lot of different things. So,
0: like a musician, you're well-rounded in every genre of dance then.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have favorites, you know, obviously jazz, jazz is my all time favorite and, and, you know, and then street dancing and, and popping and locking and waving and all that, you know, I was, got obsessed with it at like 15, but, um, but I did take ballet growing up that that's your technical training. You know, it's like, if that's your core, you got ballet training, you could do almost all the other stuff, but you had to have your ballet training, which, you know, I didn't love when I was a kid. I'm like, oh my God, I got to take this because I have to, you know, because mom's telling me, you know, mom and daddy, you know, it's good for me, you know, whatever, but it's all good. I'm, you know, now looking back, you know, I moved to LA when I was 18 to dance and hopefully become a choreographer. And the first thing, you know, I quit ballet or I think I was around 13, but I stuck with jazz. So I knew like, okay, you're going to do this for a living and you're going to try to dance for a living and make a living, you know, and go for it and get a check you got the fastest way I had to get better was I got to get my butt back in the ballet classes. Mm. I had to. So I did, you know, and, and, you know, a year later I was working on the television show fame um, with doing more technical jazz, like dancing. And, um, you know, again, ballet, that's where your core, that's where your strength is. That's where you're going to get all your power and, and, and center, you know? So I'm sure it's like that for musicians. There's gotta be stuff that you trained like, you've got to have this core.
0: For me, that's bebop. Everything for me comes from jazz. I think wow. R&B comes from jazz, or, mm-hmm. the, or possi- possibly the blues, but yeah. everything that I've done in my career because of my background has come from from jazz.
1: Wow. And, and pop, Very cool. Whatever
0: the case may be, everything comes back to spangling, as we like to call it. <laughs> and, Hey, Funny. when did when did you decide uh, that this was going to be what he, what you were going to do for a living?
1: Um, I knew. I mean, I, I've been a dancing kid since I was five. So, right. I, you know, and being in showcases, you know, with little costumes on with my mom, my sister, we're kind of like a Brady bunch of the of the seventies when we're on these <laughs> dance conventions. It was like a family act, you know. And um, I just knew that dancing. I, I was good at it and and it gave me attention you know i'm the youngest of five kids so hey i'm getting attention here you know people like me dancing so <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna keep doing it you know i love this <laughs> but um i think around 15 probably around 16 i'm like okay i gotta decide like am i gonna go to college or am i gonna go to new york or la like what am i doing here um And I just knew, you know, I just kept thinking it was new to me, a kid from Atlanta, it was New York or LA, New York, LA. And I just wasn't feeling stage theater Broadway for me. And Mm. I was feeling MTV was only three years old at the time. I was feeling, you know, film, commercial um, videos, you know, that segment. So I'm like, I'm going to LA, I'm going to go to LA and and give the shot as a dancer And I, you know, I thought about it a lot, you know, and I was just worried that if I went to college and and spent four or five years at college, then moved to L.A. when I'm maybe 22 or three. Right. Like, I just wanted to get in it right away at 18. And I had a scholarship waiting for me in L.A. at one of the biggest dance studios. So I'm like, I'm going to get all my training for free. And seven days a week, I can take class. And I'm like, that's where I'm going. So it was the right choice for me, you know, and I always knew. Always I want to be a dancer first, but secondly, I somehow, some way I want to become a choreographer. I like because I always love freestyling. I always love making up my own steps. Yeah. I love being put on the spot and like do something. Free Dance, freestyle freestyle. Dance. So I love that. And I loved making up my own little routines. So I knew I had that, you know, and I get I, I used to help my mom with her routines at 12, 13 years old make up the steps rememberize yeah. all the steps and you know i didn't realize i was choreographing i didn't know that that, that word at the time i was right, just like i'm making up steps i'm just making them up and they're fun <laughs> but then i realized you're choreographing you're that's, well, that's, that's the key what you're key doing it's fun yeah. because everything yeah. i've seen
0: you do you have fun with Oh, and, absolutely and you, and you surround yourself with people who you turn it all into fun because yeah. that's a that can be a very speaking from experience, it can yeah. be a very intimidating, terrifying experience for somebody who doesn't move well yeah. to have a choreographer come in and say, I'm gonna help you. and I, You know, immediately I, I just, I start to pucker up. I'm like, oh, oh man, oh. and then I get tighter. But you have the ability, and I've seen you do this, you have the ability to, to make it into something that's not tense, that's not stressful, yeah. And you make it fun. You've yeah. been doing that evidently since you're 12. Or yeah. before
1: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love it. You know, I've always been around music and dance my whole life. So that's that's all I knew. And, and I enjoyed it. And it, it made me tick. It was part of my soul. So, yeah. I mean, I remember pinching myself because, I mean, I really thought I would probably have to work as a dancer for about 10 years before I can even become a choreographer. I just thought, you know, work with the best Try to learn as much as you can. Observe, you know, on every gig. Observe the choreographer, how they conduct themselves, how they maintain themselves. Like, because that's if that's what you want to do. Watch, learn. Right. But um, it happened quickly for me, and and like I said, I I, I just, you know, I was in a couple of Janet Jackson videos that Paula Abdul had choreographed, and she hired me, Paula, and forever thankful. And um, that's how I met Janet. And and as time went by. Um, after Paula, Janet had literally asked, she called me up and asked me, would I be interested in choreographing for her? Um, and I was just like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what I want to do. You know, I just couldn't believe the opportunity, you know, she brought it up and, and, you know, I started choreographing at like 20 years old. You know, I, 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 I had a short lived dance career. I danced 18, 19, 20, and now I'm suddenly choreographing and I'm like, wow, this is, this is really happening. You know, I started doing music videos, then those commercials, then those films. I'm like, oh my god! Like this choreography thing has taken off, which I was so happy. I just didn't expect it that soon. That's all.
0: Well, before you were a choreographer, you said that you were a dancer, and it was a short-lived career. But you have to tell me and the people who are listening what your first gig was um, as a dancer.
1: My first gig, yeah, my first gig as a dancer was. The Michael Jackson film Captain EO that he did for Disney and Epcot Center. Um, I was in LA for eleven months before I got my first job. So oh. I was. Wait, did you have any good side gigs?
0: How did you survive? I want to know if you were delivering papers, selling I, uh, no, no,
1: burgers. No. I was. I would always. I was teaching dance, so I would teach okay. my own dance classes. You know, which I had been doing since I was fifteen. Right. I would te- teach classes on weekends. I taught for the company that um, Joe Tremaine is his name, famous jazz you know, master, mm-hmm. West Coast jazz style. Joe Tremaine, I taught for his dance conventions and was one of his assistants. So I was teaching dance to make money, you know, until I can make enough as a dancer, and a professional working dancer in L.A. But, um, yeah, my first big gig, and I'll never forget it. I mean, 1,400 people auditioned and Ooh. they hired 40. They hired 40. And me and this other girl were the two youngins in the back. You know, I was 18 years old, almost 19. And I'm like, I don't care if I'm in the back of 40 people. I got the gig. I'm working with Michael Jackson. And I'm like, going to have to join the union. And I'm like, this is happening. I'm working with Michael right now. And just two years earlier, I was a senior in high school, (laughs) you know, watching Thriller, watching Beat It. Um, you know, watching all the music videos with street dancing in it. You know, Michael was on top of the world then. It was his first huge project after Thriller. After the whole success of Thriller, everybody in L.A. wanted that job. And, and you know, again, pinched myself. I got that gig, and I was so thrilled and so happy. Unreal.
0: So then a, you started yeah. working with Paula after that. Now, I have yeah. a, I have a history with Paula as well. Yeah. She, yeah. she choreographed my Rich Man video. Which is so probably crazy. 1986. Yep. At that time. Yep. And so just she so was a friend of mine back in those days. And so she hired you to be in the Janet videos. I'm just recapping what you've already said. Yeah.
1: Around so the same what time. What were those
0: two videos that you were in of Janet's?
1: I was in uh, Nasty Boys on the Control album, Nasty Boys, which was her second single. And then I was on the third single, When I Think of You. So both oh, yeah. of those music videos. And then. That's um, Jam and Lewis. Yeah! Oh yeah! Yet another oh, Minneapolis
0: yeah. connection.
1: Uh, I know it's crazy. It really is funny. And then, um, yeah, and then, gosh, I think the Pleasure Principle was her fifth or sixth video off that album. Mm-hmm. And I, I choreographed the Pleasure Principle video. Not Paula. Paula the had done all video. the first. Huh? That was the one big of, one in the, the videos. warehouse videos. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah, her solo in a big warehouse by herself for four minutes long, holding it down. Crazy. That was my first big video that I choreographed. Um, But what's funny is talking about Minneapolis and Jam and Lewis and all that, uh, just a month before I choreographed that video, I did uh, Janet's uh, control performance on the American Music Awards, January of 87. Oh, wow. And then it was just her and four guys. And one of the guys, one of the dancers, I I felt terrible. I'm a young choreographer hiring people older than me or peers that I look up to. I'm like, hey, I'm choreographed and I want to hire you for a gig. But one of the dancers didn't work out. And because I choreographed the whole thing and I knew all the steps, Janet and uh, her boyfriend at the time, they're like, you know, we're a little concerned about him. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I see it. I know he's not as funky as the other guys, but they go, yeah, we're just thinking maybe you could take his place since you know everything. And I was like, what? I was like, oh no. Wow. So you're asking me to fire somebody, let somebody go and take a spot. Woo. But, but I did, I had to, for the integrity of, of the job. And um so I did that American Music Award performance of control, her and four guys. I'm dancing right off her shoulder. And the very next month we did her I did her choreographed her live performance on the Grammys with wow. Jam and Lewis and Jerome. <laughs> so wait, did you have to incorporate
0: all the of- all the yeah, steps yeah, all that. You, that. Did, you stole yeah. all that stuff and made sure they were comfortable because they'd been doing yeah. that for years.
1: Yeah, yeah, the penguin. I called that the penguin. We used to do the penguin. The chili sauce and all that. Chili sauce, all that stuff. So, yeah, and after that Grammy Award performance, so I did two in a row for Janet, both award show performances, and she was just killing it. Yeah. And uh, John, John McClain, you know, at the label, A&M, just said, you're doing her next video. End of story. Boom. And that was the pleasure principle, which is just wow. nuts. Yeah. Did you? That's why like, it was happening. Did
0: quickly. you know at the time that, I mean, Janet was five singles in, so it was evident that she was going to be a superstar. But did you? Yeah. Was that intimidating for you to go so much of her image, her movement, everything she's doing here relies on what I bring to the party? Was that intimidating for you at all?
1: I was very, I would call it intimidated. I was nervous, but it was a good nervous um, because I cared, you know, and I wanted to do the absolute best job I could. And I felt like I proved myself a little bit on the award shows, but this wasn't a, you know, but that was, this is a music video, you know, crafted from the beginning to the end and, you know, working with a director and, um, you know, originally, which is funny is that that music video was going to be Janet with Nasty Girls. Yeah. And, it, and I remember in the meeting, uh, it was actually John McClane. He says, you know what? I've, we've seen Janet dance with guys, with girls, with guys and girls. He goes, for once, I would love to see her just dance by herself. Yeah. And show to everybody, she don't need dancers around her. She could do it by herself. And I was like, that's pretty bold. But, let's, you know, that was, and that's where it ended up going to. That's what the music video ended up being that. That so. was,
0: that was groundbreaking.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think we rehearsed five to six days at a little dance studio in North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then it was supposed to be a two night shoot. It ended up being three nights because, you know, we're shooting from like 7 PM to 6 AM Ooh. and there was so much to, to capture. And, and I remember the end of the second night, you know, it was like almost 5 AM and we still had a lot to do and, she was running out of gas, and I remember the director is looking at me, and we're looking at Janet, and we're just like, you know what? We're just going to have to come back tomorrow night because, like, we just couldn't finish it. Right. So luckily we did, and, she, you know, she came back fresh and, and nailed it. And, you know, long story short, a year later, I was up for two MTV Awards for Best Choreography in a Video. One was Sting, which was on A&M Records, and one was Janet, the Pledge Principle, and I ended up winning right. for Janet. Which was this
0: nuts. nuts. You're 22, 21? 20 something. I was 20, almost 21 years old. Unreal. So, you, not only is Janet's career flying, so is yours. Which, this leads to so many different things for you. I mean, that, that,
1: yeah. that had
0: to be the door opener for you.
1: Oh, wait, 100%. One hundred percent. I I work with Jody Watley. I work with Troop. I work with. Had a meeting with Pebbles. Didn't work with her. But like, just you know, expose Sheena Easton. It was just like go go go. All suddenly I was doing all these music videos. So wait was, a minute, now, here,
0: For those of you who are not watching this, this is a this is a funky white boy. Did <laughs> anybody go? Man, where did you learn how to move like that? <laughs> I mean um, seriously, I mean I get this I get this question a I lot heard it in my it life, growing Like, up. why'd you get so funky? You know, I mean and what's yeah. your answer to that?
1: I you know, I, I grew up in Atlanta and, and I heard that my whole life, you know, doing a robot at seven, eight years old and, right. and just being I mean, I love funk, I loved I just dance, you know. Um I just had heard it my whole life, you know. And it was to me it was always a comp- like a huge compliment um big time and and you know to be able to hang and dance and do my thing and and if people say hey you you are super funky dude just so you know you are a funky cat i mean to me i'm like well thank you you know but i was like holy oh, <laughs> <Well, laughs> i felt it inside i felt it inside but it was it was cool to hear that you know oh, um, yeah. from so always a Jam compliment Lewis, man
0: i know they think you're funky man i already know that
1: hey, they used to call me Chili Most. They go, Barry, you Chili Most. <laughs> and I'm like, what's that mean? What's Chili Most? That's a good thing. Yeah, I know. I know. Because yeah. they were laughing and giggling at rehearsals. Like, they call me Chili Most.
0: <laughs> so you've got all these different artists wanting you to come in and work with them. we'll We'll talk a little bit about them, but I want to know... Uh, about when you were approached to do a record. Hey. Your own record as an yeah. artist, not a choreographer yeah. or, or or dancer. I mean, you did that when, during your artistry, but who came to you and said, you're doing a record, man?
1: I actually, that's a great question.
0: We're going to take a little break from the interview right now because I want to tell you about a couple of really cool things first of all we're having so much fun with our weekly one minute funk jams called funk friday we've had so many world-class musicians on funk friday including members of the steve miller band fleetwood mac daryl hall and john oates earthwind and fire just to name a few you can check that out on all of our social media but you can also see it on our youtube channel I also want to take this opportunity to thank all of our members who have supported us on Patreon. Don't know what Patreon is? Go to www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And there you'll get all sorts of information on how you can financially help us produce this podcast. There are all kinds of incentives listed there on the website, and there are many different levels on how you can become involved we could not put on this podcast without our patrons all right let's get back to the interview who came to you and said you're doing a record
1: man i actually that's a great question i you know i guess after two years of working with so many artists um and, and and helping artists uh move and help choreograph them and help them you know look great for their videos or you know tv award performances you know i just would pour my heart and soul into choreography i never moved to la to ever think to be a singer um never as dancer choreographer right but as i was in the industry and being around all these music videos and record labels and you know i was just in it you know i worked with debbie gibson uh worked with um just a lot of people. And I, I started thinking, God, I, you know, and of course I saw Paula's success too. Paula with, mm-hmm. you know, choreographer turned pop star and her first album was amazing and had so many hit records, but I was just like, God, you know, I I, I want to try to do some music demos and just get, get, my voice down and just see what I have. See, see, you know, I had the curiosity in me right. Um I wasn't going to try to be anybody else, but, but me, but I'm like, I don't know. I have never recorded a music demo. So let's try. So I did. And I actually worked with, um, and I paid for a lot of my little demos back then, $500 there, $1,000 here, you know, it was money I made as a choreographer and, and, um, and, you know, I was just trying to find my little niche or, you know, it takes time to find your voice or also find your sound or, is it too pop? Is it too folky? Is it too funky? Uh, do I want to rap? Because I love rap music. But yeah. I'm like, I don't want to rap because I feel like I respect rap music too much. I love Public Enemy. I love the Beastie Boys. I loved a lot of great rappers. I'm like, even though I love it, I don't want to try to copy that. I, I felt more comfortable singing. So Got it. So I, um, it happened to be with Atlantic Records. I was choreographing for Debbie Gibson videos. I did a couple of her videos and um, because I was at Atlantic and the timing of that, I, I it wasn't Doug Morris, but he was there. Um, somebody said, Hey Barry, do you, do you sing by the way? Cause they knew I was a the dancer choreographer. I'm like, that's funny. I said, I'm actually recording some demos right now. And uh, they just said, I, we'd love to hear them once, once, you know, if you get them to a place where you're happy with it, we'd love to hear your demos when you get a chance. And that's who I, asked, you know, when, once I got four or five demos together, I contacted them and played it for them. And it's crazy. We're at a restaurant in LA and they're actually, we're passing around this, like, I don't, I think, I swear, I swear it was a cassette tape, but probably it was a, a CD. Passing around the dinner table. People are like listening and listening. <laughs> and I got, offered, I got offered a record deal that night at dinner. You gotta be kidding me. No, it was crazy. And I'm like, is this real? Come on. you know. It's, so I guess they liked enough to hear, you know, like there's enough here and vocals aren't like horrendous or whatever. Like, hey, let's give this guy a deal. And, you know, I work with like four different producers. I'm surprised I didn't work with you. With well, our little we, had,
0: we were in the same circle back in those days.
1: Yes. I have your record, to- dude. I bought St. Paul's record. I have Are you your record. kidding? Yeah. I, I would not totally know. into the Minneapolis sound. Oh, totally wow. into the sound. Ready for the World 2, and Maserati. Do you remember Maserati? Of of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. There's some fun. You know, I love Bernadette Cooper. She was of Climax. She was crazy Mm -hmm. fun. So, yeah, I just loved all that music then.
0: But your your manager was whom?
1: At the time, I had, uh, yeah, I had a manager just managing me trying to do the record deal thing. I didn't really have a manager for like dance and choreography. I just had my agent, you know, and that was fine. But like I had, Terry Hartman was her name. And then okay. there was a guy named Dan Brennan. Well, he was my manager. Yeah, Dan, Dan Brennan had some- was my manager
0: when I yeah. left Prince. And John yeah. McClane was in my world back in those days. And you mentioned <laughs> so John McClane with Janet Jackson. So yours hey, and now. my world so almost close. collided. I mean, we were following each other around. And what's really funny is that you worked with Debbie Gibson, then I work yeah. with Debbie Gibson now.
1: Which is nuts. She's been on the show before, too. Wow. Uh, isn't that nuts? Yeah, it is nuts. Yeah, I did two of her videos back in like 89. And wow. I also got to work with Prince, too. I mean, that that's another thing. Well, let's, I mean, let's
0: jump off there and talk talk a little bit about that. How,
1: how did you get to work with Prince? Was that Bat Dance? Is that right? Yes, it was. Bat Dance, yes. In 89, um, I, you know, I've been choreographing. Um, you know, I worked with, with Janet, which opened the doors to work with Sting. I worked with George Michaels. Um on, on his tour um, you know yeah. again his management called one like hey we need some steps he needs steps we just need more of like a movement guy you know somebody help him with choreography because George had the voice and he had the records yeah, and he had the good looks you know it's like dancing was probably one of the things that wasn't his forte and I know what's funny is his Paula worked with him Tony Basil worked with him and I worked with him hmm. three different choreographers worked with George Michaels wow. it's funny but um and then uh, I got a call um, to to meet with uh, Albert Magnoli. He was with Prince at the time. Oh yeah, and I remember having yep. I remember having a meeting with Albert and in in Prince and to discuss doing his music video. Which Prince was pretty low key and quiet. You know, it was a very observant, similar to Michael to me. Michael is very usually quiet in meetings, but very you could tell they're very observant. They're they're they they know everything is happening in the room. Um, But Albert did most of the talking, but I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that in that meeting for bat dance video, you know, I'm thrilled to death. I'm like, I can't believe I'm working with Prince. Like I saw purple rain, like six times the summer of 1984, when it came out, Mm -hmm. you know, I just graduated from high school. I'm getting ready to move to LA and purple rain comes out. The movie breaking came out that summer. I mean, this was like craziness. It was everything was, you know, so anyways, huge, massive Prince fan. Um, and I had a meeting and it's funny. He's like, I just, he wanted a video that was different. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by different? He said, I want it to be theatrical. And I was like, I'm glad I asked the question. Cause I, you know, I'm young and, you know, try not to be starstruck in the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, what is, what does theatrical mean to you? Cause I, that's just a broad word. It's yeah. vague to me. So, But he saw it a certain way, and that's the word he used. He's like, I just want it to be not like a regular music video. I want it to be very theatrical and, you know, costumes. You know, we're going to have bats. We're going to have jokers. We're going to have Vicky Vales. You know, and his character was split in half, half bat, half joker. So it was more of a production, you know. It was storytelling, and that's where I think he was trying to get at the theatrical thing. So I ended up doing it. And I have a great story. I got to share it with you. I have Please to do, do it. It's my my favorite Prince saying that he said to me. Um, so I'm in rehearsals, you know, hired the dancers. I got the gig. I'm about three, three days in. And I'm like, you know, as a young choreographer, I'm like, I don't want to choreograph the entire music video and say, hey, you want to come in and look at it now? Because yeah. if I'm not on the right track, I got a lot of reworking to do. So I was about a minute in, you know, and I established... Cause he did say, they did say, you know, they wanted the jokers and the bats to have conflict, mm-hmm. you know, establish the jokers, establish the bats. There's conflict between them. And eventually Prince's character gets, you know, revealed in a video. So I'm doing crazy stuff. I'm choreographing out of the box for me with these jokers and with these bats. And, um, I'm about a minute in, I'm like, I got to have Albert and Prince look at this. I got to make sure I'm on the right track here. Cause so they came by rehearsals. They checked it out. Prince was all decked out looking cool as crap, you know, all his clothes and shoes and car and, and they checked it out and we went off to the other room and I'm like, so what do you think? You know, I showed it to him twice and um, it was just Albert and Prince. And he's like, they're like, yeah, you you know, they liked it. And um, I go, so after this, like, I'm trying to figure out what direction to go next. I go, after this, you know, we can do more bat stuff or more joker stuff, or, or we can get them fighting more, or, or we could do this, or we could do that. And I was doing all these suggestions. I go, what do you think? And Prince just looked at me and with a smirk on his face, and he goes, I don't know, cuz. That's up to you. <laughs> Whoa. So he kind of looked to me. I'm suggesting this, 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 this. And they liked what they saw so far. So to me, it was kind of like, you on the right track. You're doing your thing. Keep running with it. I. I he just said, I don't know, cuz. That's up to you. He, what he did like, is Who? he
0: gave you the nod is
1: what he gave you. He gave, gave me you. the nod. He, he gave me the, the green light. Yep. And I was like, did he just say what I thought he just said? <laughs> Classic. Classic It was pretty Prince. cool. Yeah. And then I kept working away. And then, you know, a few days later, he eventually came in and started learning his choreography. You know, I had did to get everything done. Did you done. have to
0: actually sit with him and show him his choreography? Because Prince well, was a yeah. great dancer. I suppose he, yes, he can't he really free for all there. He's got to learn the steps, right? Just like anybody else. Well, he does
1: this. He does this thing. You know, Prince definitely has Prince, you know, Prince movement, Prince steps, signature Prince steps. Um, And he does them in the the video, but he also had to learn all the staging. Like, where is everybody? Like, where am I right now? When do I move forward? When do I leave the pocket? When do I, you know, pull focus back to me? You know, so there was a lot of choreography going on around him. Yeah. So it it was staging him and working with some of his movement, um, which was cool, man. I mean, I just, again, I just couldn't believe I'm working with Prince and he's learning choreography. And, you know, usually with artists to make them feel comfortable, you work with them one-on-one before all the dancers come in and and you start integrating them with the dancers. You never want a star or an artist to learn choreography while people are watching them. You know, it's like, it's uncomfortable. So yeah, one-on-one with Prince, it's just so fun, you know, and uh, I remember too, because He came to those other rehearsals all decked out in like crazy, cool, custom-made outfits. He came to rehearsal with black shorts on, some high tops, and a black t-shirt. I was like, Wait, wait, wait.
0: wait. Time out. No, he did not. Basketball shorts.
1: Basketball shorts.
0: I never, in all the time I worked with him, saw him
1: in anything but just decked out. So he He came came to work. Yes, he came with like, like he came from off off the the court playing ball with his buddies, it was like high wow. tops, black shorts, and a black t shirt, and and it was all kind of cut up. His t shirt was all cut up, and I was just like, oh, he's got like rehearsal clothes on, like he's gonna sweat. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> he there's came no to pictures, work. of course, no pictures. Hey, no, Sophie. No, no, no. Of course, no, I no, understand. no. But I remember it caught me off guard because I thought he would come, like, you know, just decked to the nines with the suit on or something. You know, he, I played basketball
0: with him when he was decked out to
1: the nines and had high heels on. So I,
0: exactly, this is the first of me hearing him coming to any rehearsal in shorts because he used to give me crap about what I would wear in tennis shoes and shorts or whatever because, you know, that's who I am. Yeah. He looked at me like, really? Really? Yeah. Really? Does that mean you quit? <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was about that for him. So that that's fascinating to hear that. It
1: is. It was. it tripped me out. It, it surprised me that he wore that when he came to the rehearsals. It was just me and him and, you know, a, a studio in North Hollywood and a mirror and a boom, you know, a sound system and like, let's go. It was cool, man. Super cool.
0: Let's move into instead of doing music videos let's move into yeah, yeah. talking about doing things let's talk about the super bowl for a minute yeah you choreographed and and did you direct that as well
1: the i super choreographed bowl, it. With... yeah just choreographed it with all those artists staged it choreographed it dancers artists for days you know
0: tell me the names of some of the, the folks you uh, you got to work with on the super bowl
1: uh, uh, Smokey, you know, Smoky Robinson, The Temps, The Tops. Um, they kind of had old school Motown, and then they had the newer school Motown. So it had it was Martha, was it Martha Reeves? Um, who else? Um, Smoky, Tops, and then um, it segued over to Boys to Men, Queen Latifah. Um, you know, just kind of it was like old Motown mixed with new Motown. We mashed it together, but there was like twenty dancers too. You know, on this massive stage down in San Diego. I'll I'll never forget that. That was a lot of fun. You know, just the fact, like, this is a Super Bowl halftime special. You know, it was like two weeks of rehearsal in L.A. It was close. It was in San Diego. So all the L.A. dancers were down there. And, um, you know, I I grew up a big sport fan. My dad was a huge sport fan in in a house of four boys and one girl. Oh, yeah. And I remember being so excited that I'm choreographing the halftime special for the Super Bowl. That's a huge was happy. deal. Like, That's the biggest of the big, man. But then I was like, but I'm at a Super Bowl game. That's even cool. Like, I'm at the game, you know, that we always right. watch. You the see the game. Yeah, I'm working. However. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was so cool. It was so cool. It was a great memory. A lot of fun that year back and in You invented
0: yourself once again and added to your resume by starting to direct world tours and doing tv shows what exactly does that mean because I mean I don't even know what that means and I'm sure my listeners yeah. don't either tell us a little bit about the difference between you know uh, choreographing for video and then directing world tours.
1: Yeah um, I realized choreographing and it's a great question is and in, and in, choreographing is all based all the focus and all the attention is all about the steps the movement and the staging it's all about steps 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 and and and, you know big you know if there's big formations and staging you know and, and the whole big picture but I realized as time was going by I wanted to do more than just make up the cool steps you know it's like I want to help select the songs. I want to help, you know, if it's a showcase or a show, you know, I did theme parks, cruise ships. Then I started doing world tours for, you know, Usher was my first big, big world tour. Um, I wanted to be involved more than just choreography. I wanted to be involved with the conceptual. And that's where the art creative directing comes in, conceiving what the concept is for that song in the show. And then where are we going to next? What is the lighting? What's the screen content? What's the costumes? Um, is this, you know, just Usher with four girls or is this Usher and the guys or is this everybody on stage? Like, so, you know, are we in a Mad Max world, apocalyptic thing? Are we in um, underwater? Like, so it really was conceiving all the creative for a show and that's directing, creative directing and and putting the show together. And that's, that's where my brain and my interests were kept gravitating to. It's like, I loved choreographing, but it's like, I wanted to do more. That's right. all. And I had the, the will and the heart in me to desire to want to do more. Cause I feel like I can help people. I can help producers create their show that they want. You know, if they just let me in on these meetings and, and I, you know, get, get from the ground level on up, you know? So I think my first big one was for Paramount parks, which is a theme park. Um, we did retros, repeat the beat. And it was basically songs from the 70s and 80s, stuff I grew up on. I'm like, I'm creating a show of music that I grew up on. How sure. fun is that? Right. <laughs> you know, it was like Oingo Boingo. Oh, it, yeah. was, you know, it, w- it was Queen. Uh, it was a Blondie. It was uh, Devo. It was all over the place. I'm like, this is some fun stuff. I mean, you know, and then some 70s rock too. You know, it it was just a lot of fun. And I realized, you know, what props, you know I, know, I want props for this performance. I want the dancers to have, you know, these light sticks or chairs or, you know, can we have aerialists come down from the ceiling and whip around in the air? Like the, all that type of stuff. So that's the, to me, that's the bigger picture, you know. Big time. That's Big time. the whole show, the whole kit and caboodle. So Usher you, was. you um, can
0: dream it, you can do it. Right? Yeah. It's basically yeah. where you're at. You brainstormed this from the beginning of the this- the show to the end, you come up with a concept or a storyboard or something like that. Yeah. Present. And then it's like full on. Then you start building. Right. Yep.
1: Yep. Once, once the design, you know, and that's a big thing too, um, is, you know, the, the, what is the stage design? What, what is, what is the aesthetic that we're presenting? Is it meal? Is it, you know, like steel metal world? Is it smooth and glossy and acrylic? You know, is it soft goods, you know, where it has softer tones Is it jeweled, what is it is it led screens that move around in the air that separate and bust into four pieces or one big piece so all those things is there lifts is there escalators is there conveyor belts you know all those toys and gags and special effects fire lasers uh pyro fog you know all that stuff is like that's the stuff to me that's exciting like dreaming up these crazy not crazy just cool performances that the right. audience can enjoy. So you're
0: enhancing the entertainment value of the music, really. That's it. That's it. The That's your gig. That's the new gig. Yep. 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 You don't choreograph and direct or be creative director, right? Or or do you?
1: I have I have sometimes, but but usually, like on a big tour, the directorial responsibilities is so much and there's so much communication with all the different department heads that to, for me to be on my A game directing, it's like, I can't be just distracted and, and so focused on the choreography too. So, um, you know, which is fine because I grew up choreographing, you know, the last, whatever, how many years I did it. Mm -hmm. So I would help, I would help oversee the choreographers and give them direction and help steer them but it's like, I don't want to be responsible for making up all those steps and teaching it to the dancers, you know, with three to four weeks of rehearsal, I'm going to focus on all the all the directorial stuff, you know, the screen content, what's the graphics, what, you know, all that stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot. And even wardrobe, you know, talking with the stylist, you know, this wardrobe, it's not right for this performance. It's, it's feeling a little soft or it needs to be edgier or can we have a little more bling? So all those different departments that you have to communicate with is, is a lot. You know, lighting, stage design, yeah. special effects. It, it, it's, sure. it's fun, though. I, I absolutely love it. I love it. And that's why I, I do it. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's so fun.
0: Justin Bieber, Fogarty, mm-hmm. Kendrick yep. Lamar, Miguel, Mariah Carey, Ab, Paula Abdul, Carrie Underwood, Robbie Williams. How about the King and Crown Prince? I mean, these are, that's <laughs> unbelievable. You have to tell us what the difference is building a show for someone like a legendary act like Fogarty rather mm-hmm. than building something for someone like Carrie Underwood. What's uh-huh. the difference there?
1: Well, I mean, Fogarty, it's amazing. And I did three to four tours for Fogarty. And, you know, I was a huge fan of CCR as a kid. You know, my brother had all the records and I grew up listening, you know, down on the corner and fortunate son and you know even even some even like you know have you ever seen the rain you know there's just he's a great songwriter and obviously a great guitarist yeah. i mean dude he has over 200 guitars he's a major guitar collector but here i am my mindset is different because it's not you know a mariah carey or a carrie underwood or a bieber or a rihanna i'm dealing with a legendary rocker who's right proved himself a hundred times over who was played at Woodstock at 24 years old with his band. <laughs> right. I mean, that's freaking amazing to me. So it was kind of like, but, but I do know, and, and his wife managed him and still does. Um, they want, they were searching for more production around him to complement his music and, sure. and v- whether it be visuals, um, more powerful lighting and, and to give him more of a, a, a show that has production value to it. So that's why I was brought in because he has the songs and, and, he, you know, they had great lighting, but, you know, we added special effects, you know, we had, we had, you know, pyro and we had fire and we had this and that and in set design and, and screen content is what we brought a lot to the table. Mm. So to me, it was pitching a lot of, you know, what songs are they? What's, and, and pitching the ideas of what, what the visuals will be for each song. You know, and I, I create a whole creative treatment, like a document. Sure. And you, know, you always pitch it and see if they like it, or if they don't like it, if there's something they don't like, that's fine. Just exit off the list and I'll find something else. Um, being flexible, I've learned, is, is key. And just because somebody doesn't like my creative idea, I cannot take it personally because it's a matter of taste. If they're not feeling that, it's like, I can't force somebody to like it. Like, Why don't you like it? It's it's such a great idea. It's like, no, if they don't like it, they don't like it. Fine. And All I right. don't hold a grudge. I go, okay, cool. Or sometimes I might say, what don't you like about it? Because they might sort of like it, but there's one, something in there that's rubbing them the wrong mm. way. And I'm like, oh, I can fix that. No, no, that's, that's an easy fix, you know? So, but with Fogarty though, his music was so iconic, so classic rock. I mean, to me it was an honor to work with somebody like him and 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 to help bring production because to me he was a superstar he was a superstar and i felt like his show back when i first started working with him wasn't giving him and the word isn't notoriety it wasn't presenting him as this iconic rocker superstar that he is And, and an amazing musician i'm like he deserves this. He deserves to have an right. amazing entrance. Right. Have him come up on a lift and have Pyro blow up and, like, like he's freaking John Fogerty. He's right. incredible. So I helped bring all that to the table. And um, it was a great, you know, I did probably three, maybe four tours with him. So it was really cool. We had this one cool idea, which I'll never forget um, him singing Born on the Bayou at 24 years old. On, on, and we have the, the original footage with oh. this shaggy hair. And we have this big scrim, kabuki drop, we call it, a big scrim, projected John singing Born on the Bayou. And then the scrim just drops, disappears, Pyro goes, and here's the real John now. So it was like young John, now real John. And he finished the whole song off. It was so Ooh. cool. It was a great opener. Great opener.
0: How, is, how important is listening
1: in your job? Huge. Because, like I said, it doesn't matter what I like. I will bring ideas to the table. But I need to hear and listen. And everybody's different. There's some artists where they're like, we don't know exactly what we want. Uh, that's why we're coming to you. Like, right. you're the guy with the ideas. And they might have, like, a very simple description. And that's it. Or there's people, not a lot of artists, that have a lot of, um, like a really solid idea of what they want coming into the first meeting with me. It's usually, it evolves. You talk, you, you converse, you figure out what the set list is, because the songs are going to dictate what type of production it's going to be, you know, and then and, and, and the hit songs, and the this and the that. And so listening is key obviously, and then digesting what they told you. I go home, I work on stuff and, and, and get something together to pitch it back at them and see if, you know, what resonates, what sticks, right. what goes away. And again, if an idea goes away and I'm, I am so love it, I've learned, like, you just bury, you just got to let it go. I mean, it's, I'll fight for something if I really think, like, almost mm. like they're making an yeah. error. I'll converse about it just for a little bit and if I could tell like you know what they just ain't they're not feeling it Right. I, I just let it go just let it go so and it's fine
0: first step is always listening isn't it same in music same yeah. in music yeah yeah hey the, the name of this show is Music on the Run mm-hmm. and I like to talk about how you the artist keeps it all together I mean you've been on the road since you've been 5. Yeah. How do you <laughs> How do you deal with being on the road? You're a dad, you you're a family yeah. man. How do you handle the pressures of being on the road?
1: That's a good question. A lot of people don't ask that, you know. And I I I mean, I had really really good parents that brought me up. Really solid good morals that just Just solid parents. Um, And I think their their influence on me and and how they brought me up had a lot to do with it because I did enjoy success at a very young age. And in my head, I kept saying, stay humble, stay humble. You're only as good as your last job. This could all go (laughs) away tomorrow. It could, it could all go away tomorrow. Like, you know, you don't know how long this journey is going to go. You know, yes, you're on top right now, but next year, who knows? So Mm -hmm. I always try to stay humble, try to write it out. um, Always pour my heart and soul into it and do my best. But I am a family man. You know, I've been married, we've been married 28 years um, and we have two daughters. Bravo brother. Thank you. uh, And then we have two daughters that are 25 and 21 almost and um and I know you got two daughters too yourself. Yeah. So I realized I hated I realized that three weeks was my limit. I don't like being gone for more than three weeks from my wife
0: yeah.
1: or you know or the kids. And I realized and I've done some projects where, you know, it was a three month project. And I remember asking my agent back in the day, you know, I've done some films in Toronto and it's like, hey, it's three weeks, you know, and, and I mean three months. And I would always ask, either fly me home to my family, at least twice during this job, or fly my family to me. Sure. And, and, and I've been very lucky because a lot of projects that I've done, they've agreed to do that. Because, you know, that's my agent would say. Look, Barry wants to do this project. He's passionate about it. But he's also a family man, you know. And it's like, so if you can get that, you know, arranged, that's awesome. But, again, I realize, too, is balance. The key word for me was balance. It can't be all career and no family and and not all family. And then, you know, you got to make a living and bring, bring home, you know, money to the table and, and take care of our family. So it was always trying to find that balance of like, wow, I've been working too much. I miss my family or I'm having all this family time and, and you know, the funds are getting low. <laughs> like, I got to get to work. Right. So it, right. it was just find and trying to find that balance and, a happy place, you know, and right. I, 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 but you gotta want it. You gotta want to strive for it because sometimes family can get kicked to the side. Um, then it's, you know, you can do some damage and it's too late and you're like, what happened? You know, I got so caught up in my career. I kind of forgot about my family, you know? So, and I didn't want that to happen. I, I again, I had really good parents and I, I wanted to be a, a good father to my kids I want it to be around. So, you know, and they get excited. You know, I try to involve them when, you know, I used to do Disney on ice shows back when they were little. And I'm like, you got to see opening night. You know, you, you guys are going to fly down here and you're going to see opening night, you know, cause they're all little and see all these big costumes and craziness. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it was important to involve them. And, you know, and another thing too, which I don't know if everybody does, but if it was a big gig that required being away I always talked about it with my wife yeah and as a, as a joint let's talk about this together what's the pros and cons we know it's gonna be maybe a little hard on us being away but is, is, does the good outweigh the bad and we always made a decision together I never made a decision without her I mean just yeah. to include and to do it together because that's what we're doing we're on this journey together
0: that's the secret to a long marriage. Congratulations! Thank you. You said I tra- it there. You know,
1: you the There's ups and downs. You know that, but oh, you, you gotta want. You gotta want it. It's gotta, you gotta be important. You gotta to work you. at it you too. Fight for you. it. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. So you're you're a dancer, but uh, I mean, I don't know if you do as much dancing now as you've done in the past. How do you stay in shape? That's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> now it hurts. Come I on dance now. and I like. You better come hey! clean. You better yeah. come clean. I just yanked it. Yeah, I just pulled my hammy. Oh That's my back! I just tweaked. Yeah, I tweaked my back. I there just danced go. for literally one minute. Sometimes when I hear good stuff, I just I I start dancing like I'm 21 years old and I'm not. And you know, I just start going ham. And I'm like, oh, oh, dang! I gotta <laughs> slow it down. Oh, that hurt. Oh. Slow, yeah. You're at a backyard barbecue thinking you're 18, and you're like, oh, oh, my God. I just hurt myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to do something to stay in shape. You look good, man. Thanks, thanks. I mean, I I, I, I don't exercise a ton, but, but yeah. you know, I still, I still will freestyle. I'll go in the basement, put on some music, and I'll still freestyle. And then I, I'm always a flabbergasted by... <laughs> how, how bad, how I can't breathe. And I only dance for about a minute 30. (laughs) Right. see Yeah. If you don't use it, you lose it. Check, please. (laughs) Yeah. 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 If you don't use it, you lose it, you know? So, you know, and I, and I have, I have to admit, uh, I mean, I didn't during COVID. I still, and because I love it, I still teach hip hop classes I still will go to dance studios and teach master classes. Wow. And, and to me, that keeps me youthful. And I go out and I buy new music that I haven't heard. I get inspired. I'll make up new steps, new choreography. And I get in this mode of like, I'm going to teach new stuff. It's making me happy. Hmm. And I'm going to go inspire these teenagers and connect with them because. I've been blessed with a really good career and it's like, I want, and I noticed about five years ago, I'm like, I need to be given back. I need to give back. I need to, to um, inspire. I need to talk about my experiences to the younger generation. And maybe they get a little nugget, you know, they get a little, you know, glimpse of something or inspired. And I noticed that's important. I feel like I have to do that more and more and more is to give back, give back, give back because I, I, like I said, I've been blessed with a lot of cool situations. And I just talked to a bunch of college kids about a month ago on Zoom. And they're all like uh, at Pace University, it's, it's, it's like a dance um, university college in um, New York, Manhattan. And they're all dancers, inspiring, you know, singers, actors, dancers. And they ask the best questions, you know, and hmm. they, they want to know, like, how, how, how do you dream up like a tour production? Like, where do you start? How, how do you, you know, do you get involved with lighting and, and the screen content, you know, all the, you know, they ask great questions. Right. So, and I just try to feed them as much as I can, you know, and be honest, you know, Yeah, I'm always nervous. I get nervous on, if I get a big gig tomorrow, I'm like, Oh damn, I'm nervous. You know, <laughs> it's because I feel like you have to go prove yourself. You, you, you have, you know, the credentials, you have this resume, you have this experience, but it's like, You're only as good as your last job. You got to go out and prove yourself again. And I like that. I like that pressure. Um, I feed off of it, you know, and it pushes me. And so it's because I care. I, You know, as soon as I stop caring, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I should think about another business.
0: (laughs) Barry, you're a good man. Um, It's been so much fun chatting with you and just getting to know you uh, better and having my, more importantly, my listeners Get to know you, who you are, what you've done. What an incredible career you continue to have. So, congratulations. And yeah, Thanks, service man. above self. That, that is our motto in Rotary. And we continue that into our lives and we give back musically. We give back with our advice. Um, Knowledge. Really, we, we appreciate that. Thank you for taking the time out to talk with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Barry Litter. It was a That's blast, for man. Us. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for joining us, man. Woo! That's it thanks, for episode 42. And Damn. we will see you in two weeks. We'll see you later. Music on the run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, David Razo. Artist relations by Owen Sartori. Video editing by Tanner Montague. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember, dance like nobody's watching.